0: This episode is brought to you by AARP. Sixteen years
1: from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger
0: you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local.
1: Coming up, Lab and I give you the full U.S. Open treatment live from Wingfoot. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast, brought to you by the all-new P770 from TaylorMade. Why practice a high draw if you got a fade? If you can hit high, why master the stinger? Because the key to better golf is having options you can count on. That's why TaylorMade took everything they learned from making the P790, the forged face, the speed foam, all its DNA, and put it into a smaller package. Introducing P770. Let the sibling robbery begin. Available at your local golf retailer or TaylorMadeGolf.com for promo code GolfChannel for free two-day shipping on any order. Lab, I want to get directly to this, and we are outside. By the way, it's a beautiful this day. This is
2: glorious, right? It's actually 71 degrees. We're sitting outside uh, the media center here, here at Wingfoot, and inside the media center, we we should we should note out uh, that we are each situated in our own personal glass cases of emotion we are 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 in those in in those glass cases we have our wipes we have our masks we have our sanitizer and we even have some snacks and it's been a it's been a terrific experience we all got tested in order to be on site here so it's like we got our own personal little bubble here here at wingfoot and the access has been a little bit better uh than than some pj tour events. we're
1: we're loving this right now it is no it's absolutely getting better i think players are becoming more comfortable with it i think officials are becoming a little bit more comfortable with it as long as you wear your mask and you're socially distanced and again this week is different than maybe every the weeks we've spoken since the restart in june because we are technically in the bubble we were both tested multiple times and came back negative multiple times congratulations
2: how was how was that saliva test i told i told the lady this was the (laughs) hardest thing i've ever done in my entire life i'm working working my mouth in order to get the proper amount
1: of uh, spit and or saliva into the tube.
2: It you was cannot really see the,
1: hard. Uh, you can't see the visual, but we were actually on a Zoom call, even though we're 10 feet away from each other. But so the you have to be on the Zoom call when you do the spit test. They have to watch you. And the gentleman asked me, have you eaten or drank anything in the last 30 minutes? And I said, absolutely not. And he said, have you chewed gum in the last 30 minutes? And my response was... <laughs> And I spit my gum out on the camera. Nope, not me. And uh, he let it slide. Luckily, it was still negative, so we got to move on. Uh, No, it has been a good experience. And a couple things today stood out to me from the USGA press conference that we can touch on later. But you and I are about to sit down and kind of write our punch shots for GolfChannel.com. And the first one we always peck away at is winner. So I'm going to give you the floor. Who's going to win? You want to start with winner. You don't want to build up to winner. You want no, I don't want to build up the winner, and because I did this on purpose, I want to build up the biggest disappointment because I think this is where you and I are going to disagree the most.
2: Now, I feel like we should get in the biggest disappointment. We can't do winner first. What kind of, okay. what kind of preview podcast
1: is this? Don't, don't you, you you work in TV occasionally? You ever heard of a tease? I feel like, again, I understand what you're saying. I feel like we're going to have more disagreements on things other than the winner. I think you and I, okay. I, I'm All not right. going to play right. this game. All right. How I about, wrote a column yesterday. John Rahm is my winner. So, your thoughts on John Rahm? Uh, I love John Rahm this
2: week. I, I don't think it's uh, any See? accident. <laughs> Look at TV. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's any accident uh, that John Rahm was the winner at both Mirfield Village and Olympia Fields for the BMW Championship this year. I mean, he's he's proven, I think, not only to his peers, but I think also to himself, that he does now have the mental game to To handle some adverse conditions, to, to handle when he necessarily d- hits a good shot that that turns out poorly. I'm not sure that that was the case a couple years ago. Those would tend to be some flame ups, and and he would flame himself out of con- out of uh, consideration. But he held tough uh, in very difficult conditions at Jack's place, and, and certainly the way that he played on the weekend uh, in Chicago, I think showed to himself also that 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 he can. If the winning score is going to be somewhere around par, I think he knows now that that he can hang. With anybody, if, if not think, beat them all.
1: I think anything around par is optimistic, honestly. I, I, I heard some of the best advice I've heard in a long time when it came to Wingfoot from a caddy the other day, saying that he's telling his man, let's pretend like par is 72. If you can shoot par every day for four days. Eight over. Yes. And they feel like that that's a good good starting spot. He said if he can get one round under par, something around 70, that's great. So guess 600 seems like the target score for most people. and he, But he likes his oh, chances at eight.
2: I don't think so. I heard some members chirping the other day, and, of course, I was eavesdropping, uh, like the like the uh, dirt ball that I am. And and they were talking – they don't, They want to see something between two over and five over. Five over, of course, was the, the winning score For Jeff. Uh, in, in, in 2006. Two over, to me, feels like a little bit of a sweet spot here. I think the greens are just soft enough to keep the scores from getting somewhat out of control. I'm not sure that would be the case if we were playing this tournament in June. Uh, but with how cool the temperature, how cool the temperatures are, with how much water they've had to put on this golf course, they're in a severe drought in this area. Um, I, I think I think somewhere between two and five over par uh, is is going to be a winning shot. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if it's as high as eight
1: uh i I think six is probably would be my target but but i see where this caddy is coming from that that don't allow yourself to get drawn away by the idea that you've shot over par the first two or three rounds and i certainly Uh, see see where it's coming from now i will say this i and i just talked to a couple players and wrote an item for GolfChannel.com on it comparing how it played in oh six in june versus what they think it's going to play like this week in september as we pointed out it's it's going to be perfect fall weather this week. The lows in the mid-40s starting on Friday, highs around the mid-60s. We're going to and really
2: enjoy those uh, 6.20 a.m. hits in, in yes. low 40s yeah. weather, aren't we? Yes.
1: I, 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 brought, I did not bring my fall weather there because there is no fall in Florida, and I don't really think in those terms. But the one thing that stood out to me is the greens are actually better this week, which seems it would mitigate a little bit of how difficult this golf course is, meaning that you can probably make a little bit more putts than you could when it was played. you seen the slopes on these things? no no those factor in and they certainly factor in but the other half is is the rough is much much harder the way it was explained to me in June when it's hot it almost gets straw like wispy Uh, by comparison to what it is now it's juicy I mean it's tangy it's almost like it's waiting for him when you hear stories of Patrick Reed telling me that he lost three golf balls on one hole and they actually looked for him for five minutes he and his caddy Kessler they looked for him for five minutes and he was only a yard off the fairway that is terrifying
2: I really hope the USJ has their full force of marshals because they're, they're going to need it. Gary, Gary Woodland told, told the story yesterday about how his, his caddy just threw him a ball around the green. He couldn't find it. Couldn't find it for five minutes until he stepped on it, and it just so happened to be right there in front of him. And you also have to keep in mind, Rex, not having spectators on property is a huge difference in terms of the atmosphere and the energy and, and just the general vibe around a major championship. You also have to consider the fact that that rough is not going to be trampled down. 40,000 spectators a day. You can listen to That's Phil Mickelson and, and what he did in 2006. He wanted to miss big because he knew that he was going to have a flatter lie with the with the uh, grass going towards the green. It was going to be easier when he did misfire. That's not the case this week. If you miss wide, it is going to be absolutely dead. Even a few paces off the fairway is is absolutely dead. So you're going to be looking at at punch outs. You're going to be looking at Guys advancing at just a few feet, uh, except if you're Bryson DeChambeau, who, who thinks that he can just swing
1: a nine iron 110 miles an hour and, and, and force the ball physically onto the front of the green. And maybe he can. I mean, that's the experiment that we're, we've all been talking about and waiting for. These harder golf courses, how, how does the transform Bryson work out? So as far as our punch shots go, we have a dress winning score, and I will just jump to the next one then, since you want to do it reverse reverse. Hold on. I I wanna,
2: hold on. I want to I go back to winning score. How do you, how do you think today's players – would handle a winning score that would be in that six to eight over range. Keep in mind, over the past decade, it's been pretty pretty docile in terms of the, the winning score and some of the setups we've seen, whether it was Aaron Hills or, or it was Pinehurst with Martin Kimer going nuts or obviously what Rory did at Congressional. There hasn't been a, a five-over score since the back-to-back Ogilvy and Angel Cabrera years at Wingfoot in Oakmont in 2006 2007 when you had five over par winning score how do you think today's players would handle that they don't they don't like being embarrassed they don't they don't like shooting big scores and 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 not having not being rewarded for for good shots
1: I think they've prepared themselves mentally to your point. I totally agree that look, they no one complains more than a tour player about a golf course setup simply because that's, it's their livelihood. They do not want to be embarrassed. They don't want to make the bogeys, even though that this is the U S open and everyone knows you should prepare yourself for that. Normally they don't, this being the exception. I, I thought Rory said it best. I didn't even think it was you who asked him the question about like, where's the line between goofy golf and a, and a tough setup. And he went kind of straight to the heart of what you were trying to get at that. I don't see it getting to goofy golf. It's hard. Six, seven over par is going to win. I think we're all sort of bracing for that. Certainly the players have wrapped their mind around that. But it's to the point now where in his comparison was Oakmont, where it seems like when you show at Oakmont, you're on the razor's edge. And you know one bad forecast, and Shinnecock would probably fall in this category as well. One bad forecast, one bad move by the USGA And they're going to fall over that edge. It's going to become unfair. Guys are going to scream and we're going to go down this cycle that we always seem to fall down. It seems like every two or three years with the U.S. Open. They don't have that vibe this week, which is interesting. They will tell you this is going to be hard, regardless if it's played in June or September. This is a very, very demanding golf course. But none of them are standing there whispering, not even to the side, whispering to you, this could get out of hand. You're not even getting that. And I think it's a testament to the golf course.
2: Yeah, I think it all comes down to the setup, and I don't think the u s j is in any position right now to to want it to get weird, and and to want it to get to a to a, a point where the players are embarrassed. They've they've had a come to Jesus moment over the past couple of years. There seems to be a better relationship between the players and the USGA. I think I think the quote today from John Bowdenhammer is, "We will let Wingfoot be Wingfoot, and Wingfoot by itself is very very hard. You don't have to do any tricks in order to make this place." Uh, play over par over seventy-two holes. Okay, I'm going to
1: jump next right to the next one. Biggest disappointment for you.
2: Uh, so this is where we're supposed to disagree. Uh,
1: I think we're going to disagree, but yes, this is why I wanted to save it for last. But since you you don't have any interest in making good TV, let's move on.
2: Uh, you mean know, I have a uh, profound interest in making great TV? But my biggest That's, disappointment I are going to be are going to be Tiger and Phil. Uh, Tiger in the in the practice round shots that I've seen, he's still plagued by the same ball striking issues that we've seen ever since the restart. He's just not driving it. Well, his irons aren't as sharp as he usually is and his putting, I know you've talked about it and you talked about it with tiger and asked him about it. His putting is just not where it was. I think that's, that's obvious. He's, he's shown declines over the past couple of years and you look at his stats, he would have been ranked outside the top 150 on the PJ tour this past season in strokes game putting had he had enough rounds to qualify. I mean, it is a big issue. That doesn't seem to be uh, getting immediately addressed. So I would put Tiger in the, in the biggest disappointment. I th- think Phil, last week coming off a 21% driving accuracy week in Napa, this golf course is obviously even more penal than, than what you saw at Silverado. Uh, that that redemption story that would that everyone would want to write, especially me on Sunday, it's just not going to happen. He's I think both of them are likely to miss the cut.
1: See, this is why I wanted to do this last, because there is no way you can say Tiger and Phil are going to be the biggest disappointment because to be a disappointment, you had to have some sort of expectations coming into this. And outside of the people I think in their immediate circle everyone (laughs) everyone's talking about Phil this week.
2: Oh, can he realistically
1: no one is talking about him realistically being able to to shun away the demons of 06? No one no one is realistically saying that. Maybe Phil, maybe the people in his circle, but no one thinks at 50 years old he could possibly you spoke to him yesterday. You wrote it yourself that he seems to have come to terms with the fact that, yep, I'm probably not going to win this one. So I don't know where you're getting biggest disappointment because it seems to me that he's fine in his plot in life. Now, we can have a separate conversation about Tiger, but Phil is fine with his plight in life. But you seem to want to put out there that, oh, biggest disappointment, he didn't win it again.
2: Phil's plight or Phil's plot in life? Those are are two wildly different things. Phil, let's do plight. Phil Mickelson almost won three golf tournaments this year. I mean, it's not like he's been chopping up. I know it was against the seniors a, a couple of weeks ago, but he still looked very, very good at that point. And Phil has not conceded. He's not waved the white flag that he's not going to win this week. What he were the quotes you used yesterday? He is, look, he's, he's looking at his career uh, big picture in the sense that he's 50 now and that anything after this would be a bonus win. That is the term he used a bonus win, and of course it would. These are 144 like- of the best players in the world. Phil said he's added uh, loft to his driver. He's going to try not to swing it as hard. He he's going to use more three-woods. It's not going to matter. He's not going to win this golf tournament.
1: He's I not. That's it- my whole point. You know that, so there's no way you can make him uh, the biggest disappointment. How You're, you're doing this opposite. Had I'm he come speaking, out and win, that would have speak- been the biggest surprise, would it not? Uh, surprise? Surprise?
2: I'm not sure how you can say it would be a huge surprise. I mean, he's still a very good player. He almost won a WGC event this year. He almost won a European tour event. He almost won
1: a pebble. I don't know that I would even pick him for the top lefty this week, although I'm looking at some odds that show him as the top lefty. Uh,
2: who, else, who else is under consideration? Brian Harmon? Brian
1: Harm, and Bubba Watson and then Robert McIntyre. Ooh. Ooh.
2: Uh, I'd take Robert McIntyre over any of those guys. Um... Although I'm not sure Bobby's been playing much over on the European Tour, ever and since I'm having Sheffield. a
1: hard time even finding his straight-up odds, which leads me to believe that they're somewhere outside of that top 150 to one category, which would, which again, by definition, is a dark horse. It's someone that you don't have very high expectations for. As far as Tiger, your point about the putting, uh, very valid. I just did a hit on Central about this two-year strokes game putting. It's the first time in his entire career since they started doing this stat in 2004 where he would finish. He would have finished the season negative, in strokes game putting, and so. This is going to come down to two of those things that he hasn't done well this season, drive the ball and putt. So, yes, my expectations for him are equally as low, which is there's no way I would make him my biggest biggest disappointment on that front. I'm going to go a little bit different route on that, and I'm actually going to say DJ. I think the expectations, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's by oh design. Oh, my God. Please, please enlighten us. I just think that the pressure this feels a lot like remember when the he pressure went into, remember when he went into the masters and he was the favorite Now, granted he'd hurt himself and and he never got an opportunity to do that. so I, you need to point that out. What I'm pointing out here is that when you put DJ in that situation where you feel like, oh there, there's no way he's going to get beaten throughout the course of his career, you can kind of track it. he has gotten beaten. I just don't know and and i he clearly wasn't the best player at Eastlake two weeks ago, even though he won the event. he had the handicap, you know he 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 yeah, he put was in, he was third he was third best that week. He put he put in for a false handicap and he ended up winning that that tournament. But been I, there, yes, I felt that pain before. I, I just don't think. I mean, look, I, I certainly see all the arrows pointing to Dustin, and you can make a lot of good arguments. I just it, this is the smell test, and I don't know if he's passing the smell test. This stinky, particular week. he's a little uh, too stinky I say for you. St- stinky, but there's a rose to it. <laughs>
2: uh, as. As you predicted, uh, I, I completely disagree. Um, I'm not sure where you're getting the sense that there's so much pressure on, on Dustin Johnson this week. I mean, John Rahm is playing just as well, if, if maybe slightly worse than him. If, if, if anyone is feeling major pressure, wouldn't that pressure be more applied to
1: Roy McElroy, who doesn't have a major title now in more than six plus years? Again, I mean, I'm, I'm applying I'm- the idea of how high expectations are, period. A player and the way Roy has played since the restart, I don't know who's, how high who's I'm putting who's putting expectations on this. There's there's 20 media members here.
2: Who's putting oh, there's no fans out here, there's no fans clamoring for DJ to get no another major.
1: I think expectations are always going to, to be there, regardless of fans or not. I mean, if you think these guys ignore what happens in the in the ethos around them or in the universe around them, I think you're being foolish. I think Rory knows exactly where he's at on those odds lists. I, know, I think DJ knows exactly where he's at. He's the favorite. He knows that. You think he cares? Sure. I think somewhere deep down inside, you, you kind of put that added pressure on yourself. And if he hasn't even looked at the odds, he knows he's the PGA Tour player of the year and the FedEx Cup champion and the world number one. That's all you kind of need to know, right? So on, on any written history, he would be the guy that you would point to and go like, yep, he's the one that's going to win this. And I do think that applies pressure. Now, whether if DJ feels it or not, I'm not 100% sure. Again, I kind of go back to the, the – over the course of his career. And he is playing the best golf of anyone right now. I'm not going to dismiss that. I just look at history over the course of his career. When it comes to major championships specifically, I don't know that he delivers on that regular basis like we've seen in the past. Like we've certainly seen from Tiger. Like we've seen from Rory. Like we've seen from Jordan Spieth in his prime. We've seen it from other players, and you haven't seen it from Dustin. I, I think – I hope in, I'm wrong. Trust me. I hope I'm wrong.
2: I think this major championship and the open championship in particular, I think favorites being less. And, and, and by that, I mean, I think players have come to an understanding when you get to these tournaments, that there's going to be some weird things that go on, that you're going to get some bad bounces, that you're going to miss some fairways when you thought that you'd hit them and they ended up turning into bogeys. I, you know, there's, there's some, there's some, devilish putts that you're going to three putt there's going to be some weird things that happen it's, it's not like the masters I think the masters applies the most pressure to any player because that golf course is suited is to a particular player I think that Tiger Woods Phil Mickelson and Roy McIlroy if you could just pick three players I think they feel an enormous amount of pressure to perform every time they get there because they feel like they should perform well I don't necessarily feel like that's the case when you get to a U.S. Open where you know that some weird things are going to happen. And I think the same thing applies with the Open Championship, when you know that a lot of it is determined by the luck of the draw, or whether you're going to get those 30-mile-an-hour gusts in the afternoon or, or things are just going to get out, out of control. So I think that kind of alleviates some of the pressure. So I think that's one factor. I think not having fans here, it's just it's just another 72-hole stroll. The, the U.S. Open, yes, it has some more infrastructure here than even probably the P.J. Championship did but the PJ Championship didn't feel any different than the Tour Championship or it felt like it was the Memorial, which felt no different than the Charles Schwab Challenge. I mean, there is a sameness to this. Yes, it's it's a little bit bigger. You know that history is at stake. But I, I think w- without fans, without that energy, without that atmosphere, yes, there's still going to be nerves. I just think it's it's toned down a little bit. I think DJ is, is immune to it even more than most.
1: I think you're ignoring the degree of difficulty when it comes to this specific golf course as it applies to – you're going to know you're in a U.S. Open the first time you're in that rough, right? Yeah. You're going to know when you step to the third tee, it's a par three, and you're thinking maybe my best option here is to lay up. You would never think that anywhere else. It's You're going to know. No one's going to have to be there to cheer for you to know that you're playing in what is the most demanding test in golf, the U.S. Open. So I so that's, will agree. So that's, with,
2: so, that's, so that's why I think it's a great equalizer. I, th- I think the rough and the challenge of this golf course is a great equalizer where you don't have – a player like Dustin Johnson, who's, who's unquestionably playing the best golf uh, of anyone in the world, but I think when you get to conditions that are this difficult, it, it sort of neutralizes his advantage. Now, if he, if he plays great, he's going to blitz the field like he would at, at any other place, but mm-hmm. when you get some potentially dodgy lies in the rough and greens that are this sloping and this quick, I think you can just, you can't necessarily throw out the records, but I, I think some of his advantage is certainly negated, and I think that alleviate some of the, the pressure, the burden he might feel as the odds maker's favorite heading into this championship.
1: Okay. Moving on long shot as you defined it originally top 25, and then you quickly changed it to top 50 in the world to top 10. So the long shot to top 10.
2: I'm going to go with Mackenzie Hughes. And right. if you recall Rex, Mackenzie Hughes, who I think is ranked, what, 56 in the world. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes has top 10 at PJ national Mirfield village
1: Olympia Fields. What do those three golf courses have in common? Uh, I think they were the three of the five toughest courses on tour last season.
2: Three of the top four. Correct. Mackenzie Hughes is the only one who has that uh, distinction – so far this year he had another top 10 finish at the tour championship just a couple of weeks ago he has a world-class short game that's the reason why he was able to to, to play so well on those three golf courses i don't i i do expect that to continue this week wouldn't and, and to be honest rex it wouldn't surprise at all uh if he had a top 10 this week and and was there with with a
1: chance early sunday you hate the way i play this game uh, i'm going with patrick reed who is number 10 in the world and it falls um, to- uh, this is a long shot yeah, I know. I, again, you're going to you, – you hate this game. But, like, your definition of within the top 50 in the world. No, oh, outside the top 50. Um, why would a long shot be inside the top 50? Well, why couldn't we have keep it in the top 25? I feel like you're making up rules now. Well, even that wouldn't apply. Patrick Reed is – isn't he
2: ranked top 12 in the world? Um oh, man. Did, were you really just going
1: to go with Patrick Reed as a – I was.
2: As a – as a long shot
1: um, as I quickly scan number 74 Cameron champ uh, stands out to me uh, no the reason we,
2: can, hold on can we go back to this you thought that Patrick Reed a Masters sure. champion a WGC winner this year and I I think can you correct me is he inside the top 12 in the world
1: he is. yes he's number 10 I said that at the beginning hmm so you thought that that would be a good long shot pick I feel like it I felt like it was wow just you talked to the guy what? half hour ago and suddenly you just want to you want to ride him all the way to the finish line? No, I didn't talk to him at all. I talked to someone who played a practice round with him, who said his short game was off the charts. Uh, now as, that I've reestablished, as, as usual, yes, as usual. But I mean, to to the degree that he missed five fairways and nine holes the other day and got up and down five out of five times, if you're going to do that at Wingfoot, that's a pretty good indication that you're ready to play this golf course. But now playing by the rules as they were presented, uh, Cameron Champ stands out to me. Uh, I, I feel like his game's rounding into shape after not a great season, but I really like he, he's got a new caddy on the back, John Wood, who I think is going to do him a world of good. And I think he's the type of player, as we, as we pointed out, how long and difficult this golf course was or is that can come out. And as long as he keeps it relatively straight, you're not going to hit every fairway. You're going to have to lay up. I've never seen so many players practice 70 and 80-yard wedge shots in my life because they know that that's what they're going to have with their third shots on par fours. But I think he has enough game to sort of stand out in that crowd. All right, lock to top ten.
2: I actually just talked to Cameron Champ about an hour ago. He told me he's going to hit driver on almost every single hole. And he said, Rex, the longest iron that he's having into these par fours is an eight iron. That's a huge advantage when you think about where some of the, the pins are going to be cut on these sections of these, of these tiered greens. And you also can remember he, he was in the hunt at the PGA Championship. I think that experience can certainly help him going forward.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So I like my pick all of a sudden a lot more than I did a few moments ago. Lock to top 10. Uh,
2: Here's where I went with my 1B pick. So Dustin, obviously, is my is my 1A
1: pick, uh, even though you don't see a 1A or 1B. Actually, Dustin's going to be mine. I'm going to spoil alert you right now. I was going to go Dustin for both those both biggest disappointment and to
2: and to win
1: because I, by I definition by definition as the world's best player as the player of the year as the FedEx Cup champion he should be the guy to win i don't see him winning this week because so much because so much goes into that however i can't imagine in my mind how he doesn't finish inside the top 10 so dustin's your lock to top 10 correct okay
2: and my locked to top 10 is ander Shoffley. look at what he's done in the us open each of the past 3 years he's finished inside the top 10 he was the best player at east lake he he won the 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 gross division uh, just in terms of pure number of strokes over 72 holes at the tour championship. And he's, he's the game's premier big game hunter. Since he really burst onto the scene in 2017, he has six top tens. He's there every single time you need him to deliver. And I like the way that he's playing right now. Xander Shoffley is a lock to finish inside the top
1: 10, if not win. Uh, I like locked finish inside the top 10. That first major is always difficult, but he's certainly played well enough this season. All right. I have given my winner, John Rom. I'm not going to, oscillate from that your winner is my winner is dustin johnson i know he's going to be
2: disappointing to you but when you couple the fact of his u.s open record the fact that he is somewhat oblivious to some of the the uh, difficulties that he's going to face and he has the the perfect u.s open temperament where he's not going to get flustered he knows that guys are going to make bogeys you look you couple that with the fact that his current form is just absolutely off the charts if he if he keeps the ball in the fairway uh, which I think he's intending to do because he's planning to hit more three woods and he even put in a driving iron. He's planning to hit about four holes this, this week. Uh, I don't see how you can beat Dustin Johnson this week.
1: Just to be clear, just so you, I, I don't want to be misrepresented by you in this. I am not going to be disappointed if Dustin Johnson wins. I would be excited oh, you- for him to get that second major and certainly everything that he's accomplished this season. I'm writing him as the big, my biggest disappointment for the week, as the obvious reason, as he is the player that everyone is trying to shoot down at the moment, and that's a very, very tough pedestal to hold on to. And that's my only reasoning there, before you put words in my mouth and say, oh, I can't believe Dustin Johnson won. I'm so disappointed.
2: <laughs> that's, that's what you said. I think we can always, always rewrite the tape later. So if Dustin, yes. Johnson, if Dustin Johnson finishes 12th this week, you think that's a disappointment?
1: dustin johnson i mean if dustin johnson does anything except win i think is a a disappointment simply because (laughs) as the betting favorite absolutely yes i think by definition tiger and one. again uh, it kind of is the way he's played the last few weeks i don't know that anyone can can look at him other than it's tiger-esque absolutely what he did at at uh boston you don't think is tiger-esque winning by 10 strokes at it, 30, was
2: it was 11. It was 11. Stroke. I was there. I had to write about it. Look, I, I get it. He went 1-2-1-2. One, two, one, two. the fact that he was, what, third best at the tour championship? Look, he's playing great golf. Tiger-esque. Tiger of the field.
1: DJ or the field. Are you nuts? At this particular time, yes. I, I agree with you. No, I'm agreeing that I, I would pick – DJ over the field simply of what he's accomplished so far over the last let's call him it's beyond the playoffs. You would pick DJ over the field right now just by, by numbers by sheer numbers. Again, I keep going back to the idea that your so, biggest disappointment are two guys that don't aren't even on the 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 the, uh, the odd sheet because they're outside of that one fifty to one, which by definition wouldn't be a disappointment because they're not expecting them to win. Tigers As are opposed one. to Tigers are my disappointment, top one fifty to one. Well, but Phil certainly, <laughs> Phil certainly is, whereas the opposite of that is the favorite to win, according to the odd sheet, I just don't see him getting it done because of all the reasons that you actually pointed out that this is one of the hardest ones to win because there are so many outside factors that you cannot control that come into play when you're trying to win a major championship, certainly this major championship. You get a bad lie, you get a bad bounce, and you lip out a putt, whatever the case may be. That being said... I can't imagine a way that he doesn't finish out inside the top 10 simply because how well he's playing. So yes, if you gave me DJ versus the field, I think by the numbers I'd have to pick DJ. Wow.
2: All right, so I'm going to take so if you take DJ, I'll go ahead and mop up with with Rom, Fiorikawa, <laughs> Finao, Webb. Those are all guys Xander. Those
1: are all guys that I really like this week. As opposed to Rom, who I actually made my – who I picked to win. So, before we get too out of bounds here, I'm simply saying just by simple math, by everything that goes into this, yes, you would have to pick DJ versus the field. Everything he's accomplished over the last month and the fact that he has those odds. I, I just want to see DJ finish 12th this week so you can just say, ha, I told you he's going to, dis- he's going to disappoint everyone. That would be a weird – Weird sort of flex. I don't think I'm doing that because I'm not going to be disappointed if he wins either. So it, again, you trying to put words in my mouth is difficult here because I, I don't want either one of those things to happen. I don't want him to finish 12th, and I certainly want him to win simply because of how magical that this would make that season.
2: All right. So look, we've we've got, we've got a lot of people who are going to be listening to this. They're they're filling out their office pools if they still have office pools because everyone's just working from home now. Throw throw out some throw out some names of of guys that if you're if you're building a a five man team, let's say. Uh, for for this week you you know I would I think you have to have DJ anchoring that squad I I like Morikawa this week I like Webb I think kind of flies in the face of of some of the major championships we've seen recently that have been dominated by by long hitters and guys who can kind of overpower golf courses but uh, he's got a terrific combination of of accuracy off the tee and just an absolutely stellar putting if 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 this is going to come down to who's going to make the most eight to ten footers Uh, I think Webb Simpson could easily be in that group of of locks to top ten. I I really like Webb Simpson this week as well.
1: Yeah, if you're going five, I think you'd have to put DJ, Rom, uh, JT in that mix. And then my last two would somewhere. I think Colin Morikawa proved a lot at the PGA Championship. He is the only one that's won a major championship this year. If you look at his game, just sort of the nuts and bolts and the five tools that are his game, I think this is a really, really good fit for him. He's going to hit more fairways than most people, and he's going to make more putts than most people when his game is on. My last pick is a little bit out there. We had this discussion the other day. I really like Patrick Cantlay. You talk about guys with good demeanors when it comes to major championships. I think Patrick has that perfect demeanor for this course.
2: I'm not sure how, how sleepery uh, he is at this point anymore, but a but a Matt Fitzpatrick is someone that I think you could you could take a chance on. You look at the way that he played Muirfield Village. <laughs> sleepery, that's definitely not a word. Uh, but but I think Matt Fitzpatrick his the way that, that, that he putts uh, is, is certainly going to make him a, a danger man. Tony Finau, I'm about to go head out and, and catch him as he comes off 18 here. Uh, his, his major record has been terrific. Obviously, we know that he has not won anywhere since 2016, that opposite event in Puerto Rico. And Wingfoot would be a very difficult one to pick off for the first time in four years. Uh, but I think it's impossible to ignore uh, what Tony Finau has done uh, in the biggest events as well. If you're, if you're looking to, to maybe go outside the box instead of just relying on the, the top five or six players in the world.
1: Yes, because that's what we do—that we give you options. Uh, before we get out of here, I did want to touch on one thing. And the USGA talked about this—the news last week. They're moving some of their offices to Pinehurst, and they've created what they're calling an anchor site at Pinehurst. Uh, the U.S. Open is going to be played at the number two course five times between now and I believe 2047, which that'll be about right about the year I think you're planning on retiring, and maybe that'll be your last major. You can. Uh, about 27 years, I'll be—I'll be 60. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I think that's right where you're looking at it.
2: It's, I mean, if I, if I did, if I did well in the stock market, maybe a little bit earlier, uh, if I was a little careless with my money, if my kids want to go to private school for college, these are all things I'm going to have to consider by 2047, but thank you. This conversation led you, to, you will, you will be dead. There is, there is no doubt. Oh. you will be, oh, wow. be 79, uh,
1: 27 years. Yes. Oh, yeah. No chance. Wow, dead. Zero chance. All right, that's a happy way to end the podcast. Before we get out of here, though, with the idea that they have made Pinehurst this anchor site, if they're going to come up with a rotation, give me your five best courses, including, of course, Pinehurst, because that would be in the rotation like the Open Championship does. But give me your other four.
2: Uh, realistically or my wish list?
1: Sure, I think, wish list. I, think
2: I've, all right, I think. I think I'd love to see Wingfoot. Uh, Oakmont isn't a whole lot of fun, but I think if you're – looking to have the most complete examination you got to have oakmont you got to have Wingfoot. i i like a, a hills I, we had a great experience there a couple years ago with with brooks winning and then you got to put pebble you got to put pebble but you have to go on the west coast i think it's great for tv obviously it's a uh, classic golf course uh last year with what gary woodland did he was able to to actually put up some good numbers there but i don't think the usga was forced to to trick up the golf course it's seems to at least somewhat held up uh uh, st- stood the test of time is that five that is pine five. pinehurst pebble wingfoot oakmont
1: and shinnecock yeah i like it i do too the only correct it's not even a correction i think the only thing i would add to that i think two west coast venues is almost a requirement which would bring me to like go back olympic uh no i would actually put Torrey pines i think the, the, the u.s open that was played at Torrey pines is historic in our lifetime what Tiger Woods happened, the playoff, everything that went into it. I don't know why you would just roll your eyes and and make the yuck face the way you did about what can arguably be called the best open of our generation simply because of how everything played out. And you can't take anything away from the golf course above and beyond the fact that it was the perfect setting for Tiger Woods at his absolute best and his worst because he was a broken man when he won that open. So that's the only one I would trade out. And I would probably trade it, and and this is going to be blasphemy, I would trade it for Shinnecock
2: you would want to have a Pebble and Tory, Wingfoot, Oakmont, Pinehurst.
1: Yes. Correct.
2: I mean, Tory is such a forgettable golf course. And yet you have to keep in mind, we were one putt away from Rocco Mediate winning that U.S. Open. You're going to have such fond memories of a legendary U.S. Open golf course if Rocco Mediate wins that? Or, do you, or is it simply,
1: simply etched in your mind because Tiger won it on a broken leg? I'm not going into this revisionist game of yours. We were exactly one one putt away from – no, I'm not playing that one. I don't play with it's hypotheticals. It, it, you're right. It, 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 we could sit here and go down the list as well. We could talk about all the things that could have happened at Wingfoot over the, the dozens of major championships that have been played here. So, no, I'm not going to play that game with you. I think you need two West Coast venues. Maybe L.A. North would be would change my mind in a few we're years. Gonna have an, we're going to have an experiment, what,
2: 2023?
1: uh yeah 2023 there? that might change my mind certainly uh the olympic club would stand out as when you'd want to go back to although uh after freezing to death in a harding park a few weeks ago I'm, I'm not in any hurry to get back to san francisco right now but any of those would do but in my mind what about, I think, what about what about chambers bay you think that can be an anchor no no i don't think it would be an anchor i think if it's going to be anything you would add it in once every let's give it every two decades no Look, I, I i like the i like the idea
2: of having classic golf courses i'd Tory Pines, I would not throw on a classic golf course, uh, but I like having the USGA have a rotation of classic golf courses. I love to see the PGA of America as being the ones who who open their doors to an Aaron Hills or a Chambers Bay, or I mean, they're going to have the golf course in Frisco that they're going to be going to. Uh, I think once Tory Pines gets weeded out after next year's U.S. Open, hopefully, hopefully, Yikes. that can transition into a, a future PGA venue, a Kiowa Island. I think I think that's where you can you can take some chances in terms of your uh, major venues that you're going to have. But I like the idea of the USGA getting centered on five or six classic golf courses that you that you know, they're dependable, and you don't have to do a whole lot of trickery in order to present a very demanding challenge for the players.
1: And we're leaving out Beth Page. And, and I know that that's difficult when you PGA. talk about No, it is the PGA Championship. I think as a US Open venue, it stands as it stands as a test as well that probably should be considered for no other reason than we talk about public golf all the time. And we've, you came up with a list specifically that's very private heavy, which I understand, but there has to, you have to have this cross section section and that includes East coast, West coast venues and public versus private. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I like the idea
2: of having two West coasts. I would just prefer Olympic over Tory.
1: Oh, again, I think LA North is going to be special. All right. Well, we'll have plenty to talk about next week when he and I sit down, we won't be together next week. We could do it from the airport. Yeah, no, no, thank you. That'll do it for this Golf Central podcast presented by TaylorMade. We'll see you next week.